Bela Fleck is considered by many to be the premier banjo player in the world today. He has certainly had a more varied career playing the instrument than anybody else I can think of and has perhaps put it in more unique settings than anyone else. He's played bluegrass, jazz, world music, and classical. Uh, He also has 15 Grammys and has been nominated in more different musical categories than anybody in Grammy history. So we're glad to have him this morning on Biscuits and Box. Welcome, Bela. Thank you. Good to be here. Um, Let me just ask you about all these different uh, music traditions that you have have played in. When did you decide that you weren't going to just be bluegrass or, you know, traditional banjo? It was probably pretty early on because I grew up in New York City, and since I um, I didn't come from a cabin home on the hill. It wouldn't have been very honest for me to pretend that I was. So um, where I came from was, um, you know, the 60s and 70s in New York City, and a lot of great things were happening in music that were really exciting. Um, you know, jazz, etc., rock, the Beatles, you know, Miles Davis, Chick Corea, all these amazing things. But at the same time, um, I had gotten the banjo bug. I got bit by the Earl Scruggs banjo bug, and it was a pretty... Um, major infection, and I just loved that banjo. So at first I wasn't that interested in bluegrass as I was in banjo. Um, I really just liked everything, just loved loved music. But then as I got deeper into banjo, I really wanted to learn about the traditions of that music. I didn't want to be somebody who didn't know how to do that. So I did apply myself to that pretty seriously. But all through high school when I was learning to play, I was trying to learn um, the music of the day. So that would be... um, Bands like Yes or The Grateful Dead or um, Led Zeppelin, um, Miles Davis records, um, classical stuff that I was hearing, reggae, anything that was going on, I tried to figure out. I wasn't very good at it at the time, but as years went by, I got better at making the banjo fit. Yeah, you were probably about the only person trying to do that, right? Well, actually, I had a teacher who was a big inspiration to me who was a great modern banjo player named Tony Trishka, and he was actually maybe the coolest person I could have possibly found for someone like me because he was really trying to do a lot of the same things and I got to know him when he was sort of really coming on the scene. I was really fortunate to become his student and I basically glommed everything off of him I possibly could and then at a certain point I sounded too much like him and there already was a Tony Trishka so I had to start trying to figure out how to delete parts of myself that I had learned and find it where the me was going to be and look for the areas he hadn't gone or go deeper in areas that he had touched on lightly and that sort of thing. And that's why I started getting more and more into sort of legit music, like um, playing classical stuff or uh, jazz or things things like that. Speaking of classical music, um, since we play so much Baroque music on Biscuits and Bach, I know you play Baroque music. And um, how is it hard to adapt that for the banjo? Um does it just seem totally natural? It's pretty natural, um, except for the notes. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, some of them are hard to find on the banjo neck, and some uh, sometimes the keys are, are are difficult. Like the banjo tuning and the range is very specific. So not everything will work. Simply nothing below a low D, I can, can I play, if my language is appropriately terrible as it is this morning. <laughs> um yeah, so and and notes above a certain range are hard to get, and notes that come very fast together if they're not carefully thought out or possibly transposed to different keys that are more appropriate for the banjo won't work, which is a lot of why in recent years I've been writing my own classical music um, based around um, what 
naturally does fit the banjo because I mean like there's a record called Perpetual Motion in where which I did transcriptions basically I played Bach and um, Chopin and Debussy and Beethoven and all these different Scarlatti um, and learned things that were written for piano or or cello or violin on the banjo and it was a great exercise for increasing my understanding of the instrument and the music but it wasn't really fair because that music was not written for the banjo you could never make it sound like it sounds on the on the violin or the piano or the cello so I thought at some point I wanted to you know build some music that took advantage of those techniques and those musical concepts but really was built for the banjo which people did in the classical world there are lots of virtuosos who wrote their own music based on the way they wanted to play because nothing was out there yet that that they that that would show who they were in a concerto or or a sonata or whatever so are you continuing to compose yeah i wrote i wrote a banjo concerto several years ago i've i've already written another uh orchestra piece uh and a string quartet and banjo piece and i'm i'm um work i'm i've been commissioned to write a second banjo concerto and so so it's i'm getting the opportunity to keep on um trying so it's it's pretty fun, and and the great thing about it is there's a whole world of musicians that I never have had access to, which is the whole classical music world. Unless we had something written out that we could play, there was nothing we could do together. And so that's probably my favorite thing about all this is all these great musicians that I get to play with now. So I guess it may feel a little different to play with a big symphony, right, than with a a, a little ensemble or a smaller. Yeah, group. and I'm learning those differences. I'm learning like what should you write for a symphony to play that's different from what a string quartet should play you know um, or a chamber orchestra what's what what would suit a chamber orchestra that um, wouldn't suit a larger symphony orchestra so I mean not I'm not saying I'm an expert or even any good at it I'm just that I'm getting to do it is an, an amazing turn of events and I'm doing my best to do something worthwhile let me ask you about um, Bach since he's so central to yeah. the show um, so many classical, or what I would call traditional classical musicians that I've talked to, they always talk about the importance of his music right. to the, what they do, to their art. And I have also noticed over the years that there are so many musicians who are not classical, uh, classically trained who also play music by Bach. I believe you're one of them. What, is, what does Bach mean to you, and what is it that's special about his music? I think one of the things that he introduced... Um, Aside from um, using all 12 notes, you know, really delving into the harmonic possibilities, um, was independent voices and um, conversational music, which is something that we aspire to. For instance, in jazz, you know, it used to be, you know, there'd be a swing beat and someone would solo, but nowadays, by the time jazz has gotten to this age, everybody is aspiring towards a conversational kind of music where every part is exactly equal. The bass is no less important than the saxophone, is no less important than the drums, is no less important than the comping. And even when you play chords, they should follow, you know, the soloist and they should, um, you know, be involved. You know what I mean? That's sort of what we're, where we've moved. And now even when I play music with the Flectones or when I play with my bluegrass friends or people like Edgar Meyer and um, Chris Thiele, folks like that, we're always looking for that conversational element where we're all equal, nobody's dominating, but we're all giving each other a lot of room. And the perfect place to learn that is to watch how Bach writes. And one of, one of the neat things that I think came out of um, my Perpetual Motion record was I recorded some three-part inventions for piano. And 
it was really helpful for me to put them on multiple instruments because then I could hear the lines where when you hear a pianist playing all three lines, I mean, the best ones bring them all out and make it clear where, which line is what. But for a novice at listening, like someone like me, or a lot of people maybe that haven't listened to a lot of this stuff, when you hear that the, uh, you know, the, the bottom line is being played on the bass, the middle line is being played on the banjo, and the high part is being played on a violin, it's very clear what those lines are all doing and how equal they are and how, how important they are, how, how, how they rely on each other. And they're kind of, they're marvels. Even in a, even in a 30 second piece, it's like a marvel. How could you come up with so, something so perfect that is so well balanced? And so that I think that's a lot of what uh, what what all of us guys love about about Bach is it's perfect for one thing. Um, where there's other music, you know, I think I think of you know Beethoven or even Mozart. It's more sort of song form. That, you know, there's more likely to be you know parts that are supporting parts and big melodies that are played by certain instruments. But in Bach, everything tends to be equal. Um, I want to ask you about food. Since you uh, grew up in New York City, and I believe you live in Nashville yeah. now, mm-hmm. when you first came to the South, uh, did you eat much Southern food? What did you think of it? Um, well, you know, if you were in Chinatown, you'd get Chinese food, so why wouldn't you get biscuits and gravy when you went to Tennessee? <laughs> so do you like that stuff? Um, you know, I, I don't like it as much now as I did when it was new and it was something I was trying, and, you know, as we get older, we try to make better decisions about what we put in our bodies. <laughs> But um, there is some great Southern cooking. Um, do you and do you are you a breakfast eater? I always ask people that. It's a guilty pleasure when I do it, but yeah, I do love a good breakfast. A big one. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I love it's uh, yeah, it's indulgent, but yeah, I rarely get to do it. And a lot of times, because I'm traveling, I'm on the road, and finding breakfast um, before ten o'clock is easy, but after ten o'clock, it's very difficult when you're you know traveling around and. A lot of times we're up late performing, so that rarely happens. Yeah. But when it does, it's it's fun. Why? What's your question? Well, I'm just wondering <laughs> what what are your favorite things? What are my favorite things for breakfast? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm a big fan of huevos rancheros. Mm, that yes. sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I like things that are burned for breakfast, except the eggs. I think <laughs> potatoes that are you have to work at to bite through are usually a success, and. Um, Bread toast that is, uh, you know, the edges are very, very crunchy, and there isn't anything white left about it. Do you like that to be black or just? I dark can handle brown? a blackened a blackened piece of bread, but um, maybe just back go go completely burnt and then back it off ten percent, and I, I, I enjoy that. Um, that must take a lot of skill. <laughs> to back it off to it's pretty easy to burn it yeah yeah (laughs) and it's not the same when you burn it and then scrape it off with a knife it's better if you just cook it to the right time but i've learned exactly what full up on my uh, toaster is and i can do full up and then um usually that's about right if the bread is fairly thin if it's thicker i'll take it out and then i'll i'll start it again and give it another third or something so if you have to do that in a hotel uh you know lobby where they have the the toasters then you really have to experiment right exactly but then again usually there's a lot of bread there so you know i can go through 10 or 15 loaves of bread before i get the right uh burnedness and then then i'm happy (laughs) (laughs) well i'm so sorry i don't have any burnt toast to give you right now but (laughs) so am i (laughs) but thank you so much i really appreciate you coming in and talking to us about bach and biscuits and burnt toast 
this morning. Thanks. It's my pleasure.